Salutations, friends. This is The Investigation Check, a 225 Games podcast, and my name is Garrett, your host. On episode one of The Investigation Check, we have DM Charlie from DM Charlie Gaming. DM Charlie Gaming finds its origins at the height of the pandemic in 2020 when the world was uncertain. But leave it to DM Charlie to turn all of the darkness into a glimmer of light. Since its origins, DM Charlie Gaming has grown to house a couple of house GMs like himself who will never settle for anything less than the very best that the TTRPG table has to bring its players, its DMs, and the community as a whole. So without any further ado, let's jump right into the interview, take some nuggets of wisdom from the man himself, and I'll see you on the other side. Welcome to The Investigation Check, a 225 Games podcast where we investigate game masters and TTRPG adventurers who are the movers and shakers of the TTRPG world we know and love. Our guest today is known as DM Charlie. Mr. Charlie is a professional game master and is the founder of DM Charlie Gaming, a community of GMs, DMs, and players whose passion for role-playing can be felt by those watching on Twitch as the adventure unfolds before their very eyes. One of DM Charlie's critics said, I loved, loved, loved my experience playing in a one-shot run by DM Charlie. From the moment the game started, I knew I was in good hands. Charlie's voice acting is superb. The story, the setting, the maps, the sound effects, he didn't overlook a single detail. The pacing was spot on with plenty of adventure, role-playing, and engaging encounters to be had. I thoroughly enjoyed being a part of the game, and I am eager to join DM Charlie in any future gaming experiences, whether in one-shot or a more extended campaign. Mr. Charlie, thank you for joining in with us. No problem. Thank you for having me, Gary. Well, Mr. Charlie, thanks for, uh, I guess my first question for you is, what was your first experience uh, with tabletop role-playing games? How did you go from a scrappy young lad to the, the mover and shaker that you are today? Oh, my goodness. Uh, way, way back in 1981, I had a friend, Andy, and we lived in Spokane on the eastern side of the state, and there was nothing going on. And he went to a trip in Seattle, there's a place there, if you know it in the Pike Place Market, called Golden Age Collectibles. And it was the mecca of all things nerdly at that time. And he came back and he said, hey, I, I got this thing. It's a game. And I'm like, what's it called? And he said, Dungeons and Dragons. And we're like, okay. And we went back to his house. We cracked it open. And granted, we were playing with our Star Wars action figures at the time, but never looked back. I was... 10 and a half, 11 years old. So that was 40 some odd years ago. Oh, that's awesome. So you've had yeah. time to hone the craft and, you know, get in there and figure <laughs> out what works and what doesn't. So yeah. whenever you first started, did you start off as the DM or were you a player and did somebody DM for you? Uh, it was Andy was our dungeon master for about the first year. I don't know if anybody else has started playing when you were a little, little kid, but there are some really weird politics when you're a child. Like, I'll trade you a page of magic items if you mow the lawn for me. And I kind of bristled 
under that. And my yeah. brother, who is much older than me, he came for a visit over the holidays and he brought a game that he had picked up in college. I forget the name. It was like Rune, Rune Master, Rune. And it was mainly maps and chits. It was like an Avalon Hill kind of game. And I'm like, let me let me run you through an adventure, Clyde. And so he's like, oh, OK. And looking back, it was me just telling a story based on the map. And he was sitting there watching like 60 minutes at the time, paying no attention to me. But <laughs> I was hooked. You know, I'm like, yeah, there's there's a book on the table. Uh, OK, I open the book. The book is magic. OK, Charlie. So, yeah, that's how, that's how I got started. Awesome. So, yeah. Well, that's good. So then. With that, I guess that kind of maybe answers this next question, but what was the biggest hurdle as a beginner and as a somebody new to the hobby that you had to overcome to get to mastery where you are today? Um, Gosh, that I don't know. The biggest hurdle in in being the DM GM, I have been what is known as a forever DM. Honestly, I started running and just never got behind out from behind the screen. I mean, I've played in some games, but I have always preferred running for the simple fact that this is going to sound super arrogant, but it's like I could do better than this. I could I could entertain myself more than you're entertaining me to go from being just running from your for your friends to doing pro, though, confidence confidence it took a big step of, of of faith and confidence in myself that i was going to be able to do this so i think that is the biggest challenge for anybody that's thinking of doing this as as a way to make an income is believing that you have the chops to do it so then since you brought that up we can, yeah. we'll move on to that little section there so okay. if you are a professional game master a professional dungeon master what does that mean to be a professional? I mean, obviously it means to, to make money as a professional, yeah. but be, you've named confidence and you know people mm -hmm. pay you to do it. But otherwise, what does a professional game master mean to you? To me? Well, obviously, like you said, Garrett, at the simplest definition, a professional game master is somebody who charges to run a game for players. When you drill down into it, though, Anybody who runs game can charge money and call themselves a professional game master. There's no barrier to entry, no licensure, no training required. Not everybody should. To be a good professional game master, you need to understand what it is you are doing. Professional game masters exist inside the entertainment space. We are primarily entertainers. We compete in that same space with Netflix, movies, concerts, Spotify, published works and stuff. We are entertainers. People are trading their hard-earned cash to be entertained by us. A professional game master, you treat it as a job, as a career. It is very easy to, pardon the expression, half-ass this because we often do for our friends like, oh, it's Friday night. I don't know. We'll throw some kobolds at them and, you know, I'll just recycle this. No. When you're a professional game master, you are constantly seeking to improve your skills, hone your craft, always learning and developing, and you keep your mind open. You also do things professionally. You respond to your players quickly in a professional and appropriate manner. There's no emotionality other than that that you manufacture for your NPCs during the, the session in what you do. It's a business. A professional shows up, gets the job done and gets out you if you say i am going to do a game on x day at x time you show up the only reason you have to not show up and be ready to run that session is critical emergency the way i look at it is people hire lawyers people hire accountants 
we need to look at ourselves, even though what we're just doing is entertaining folks in the same way. We have a client and professional client service, professional relationship with them. They are hiring us to do a job. And so we need to do that job. I mean, if you expect the cable man or, you know, plumber mm-hmm. to show up at your house, you should expect that the DM should show up at the session ready to ready to roll. Exactly. So you should you should have wrenches. some pride. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, you're a professional for sure. You know, they say half of it's just showing up, which is true. Exactly. And that's kind of what you, you hit on. But, you know, with the confidence and with the showing up, when you hire a professional DM, you would expect some sort of, you know, extras, right? And, you know, you do fantastic, amazing voices like i've never heard before it's such a gosh thanks garrett that's just really amazing to hear i just really hey shut up he's trying to talk i I don't know what you're talking about so do you ever take any acting classes or anything like that to kind of help hone in those dm skills to take it to the next level acting classes i haven't spent any coin on that i well that's a lie uh i did sign up for an udemy on voice acting uh but i have always been one of those people that always felt that i was god's walking version of a cartoon you know (laughs) i was the guy that i would be in the mirror brushing my teeth and i'd be practicing voices because i thought they were funny or you know hey i could use that in a game it's it's a lot of practice it's constant incessant practice when nobody's around even when my wife's around or my kids are around, they're like, you're nuts. And I'm like, I know. I think anything you do, though, to develop skills that are applicable to what we do and to be a good dungeon master, professional or otherwise, does have a very broad toolkit for acting. A lot of people also feel like, oh, I've got to be like Matt Mercer and be able to do a million voices. You don't. You don't. Some of us are fortunate that we can do voices, that we have that. But I don't think that that's entirely necessary to be successful as a dungeon master or game master. That's good to know because my voices are really not great. (laughs) They're really not good. There are actually tips and tricks, just so long as you change your modulation, your volume, your pitch, that don't involve, like, going too far extremes. Well, you know, just trying to develop a character. Um, Just so long as you change your meter and your beat, you can communicate a lot just in your normal pitch and tone. Okay, well, that's refreshing and good to know, for (laughs) sure. I appreciate that uh, vow of confidence there. For somebody who, you know, runs sessions for their friends on Mm -hmm. Friday nights or Saturdays or whatnot, Mm -hmm. you know, wants to take that step into the professional realm because they enjoy it. You know, they've got all the books. They read the books cover to cover. They know Mm -hmm. the mechanics, but, you know, they're not quite sure if professionalism and being the professional and having that title uh, is somewhere they want to go or if it is, they don't know how to get there. So what are like the three big things, three big pieces of advice that you could offer a aspiring professional, someone who's ready to take the leap, but uh, ready to ready to dip their toes into it and try to earn some jingle in their jeans. Yeah. Okay. So first, first one being is be confident that you're going to be okay and understand that you will make mistakes. It is a learning process. Look for DMs such as myself that are already in the space that I enjoy developing and finding DMs and bringing them up to the standard that I feel all professionals should have. But the first thing is, yeah, this is a job. This is a job. You will enjoy it. You will have a wonderful time creating things, but it is a job. Treat it thusly. Second piece of advice is a lot of people start, they have this competitive 
feeling. Okay. Like I got to get the players. Oh no, that guy over there has players. This guy has players. Don't worry about it. DMS will always be outnumbered by players. You need to look at this understanding. Okay. Even if I run three games a day with new people, there's only a finite amount of players that you are going to be able to touch and service. And you will have a lot of cross pollination. You will develop your core pool of players that want to keep playing in your games. There is more than enough players. There are more than enough players out there for all of us. You don't need all the players. You just need enough players. You just need enough of the right players. The third thing that I would say always, always, always be willing to improve, always be working to improve your skill set, always be investigating and don't be afraid to market yourself. Don't, it is, it is uncomfortable, especially for a lot of us to say, Hey, I do this, but you have to be your own best pitch man. You have to be willing to have those conversations. Now that doesn't mean enter into a conversation and they're talking about X and you're like, guess what? I do games, you know, come play with me. Here's money. But find a way to let people know what you do and they will come. They will come. Yeah. Okay. So we've got, you know, you have to be your own self promoter for sure. And yep. I think that goes for, I mean, if any kind of self-starter, any kind of entrepreneur, exactly. because at the root of it, you are an entrepreneur, right? You really you are. have to, you have to market it. And uh, just to kind of tack up what you said, since we're talking about D&D, there's this marketer, his name's Donald Miller, and mm -hmm. he speaks about the hero's journey. I mean, that's pretty applicable to D&D, so DMs should be able to get a hold of this. But yeah. the point he tries to make in you know marketing yourself or marketing any kind of business is that you are not the hero of the story. Whoever you are, you would be the guide. You'd be the Obi-Wan. You'd be the Hagrid. You'd be the, the, the wise old sage, and your players are the hero. And if that, I mean, that's, that's exactly D and D your players are the hero. Exactly. You're, you're the narrator for lack of a better word. And they're kind of the heroes of the story. So to position yourself in that marketing and market yourself, you know, offer them that good time and promote, I think doing it in that way gets the job done and effectively enough that people who love stories should be able to position themselves in that just subconsciously because it's so ingrained. Um, you would think, people. yeah, you would, you would think, you would think. Yeah. So I agree completely, Garrett. So since you're a professional DM and mm -hmm. that you're, you're DMing all these games, what mm -hmm. makes you as a dungeon master or game master unique versus somebody else? Because I'm awesome. No, um, <laughs> uh, wait, well, we're all unique. Every, every experience with a new game master, referee, dungeon master is going to be unique as there are people. So are the way people approach it. So I am unique simply because I am me. What makes it special? What makes it an exceptional experience is I am always looking to improve the experience for my players. I am always going for that. Whoa. To me, that gives me goosebumps when I hear my players go, Whoa, oh my God, that is so cool. And I'm always trying to think of ways to amaze and delight. I also spend a lot of time customizing my campaigns, not in as much as like, like if they have a special pet or something, I will surprise them with like, here's your special token, uh, customize storylines, like going completely off of the written track, just so you can investigate a backstory. We use Sirenscape, which is epic games need epic sound. Um, Sirenscape is a marvelous tool for putting in music and sound effects. And I will create custom sound effects and I will find custom music just to tie into like one player's experience for that one scene to make it extra special. Like case in point, 
in my salt marsh campaign one of the players who'd been with us since the beginning had to leave um, there was uh, health issues in the family and it was very poignant we were all very sad i wrapped up that whole portion and we ended it with a really nice image a little poem for him wishing him you know fa- following winds and fair tides and then i also played christopher cross you know sailing sailing and i could hear all the other players that uh, uh, i'm okay you know and i was like <laughs> i know i overdid it so i i think going the extra mile is what yeah. makes it special that's so, awesome man i mean there's yeah. there's a lot of dms that wouldn't do that you know like you said, there's some DMs that would just throw kobolds at them and call it a day. So, you know, yeah, that, yeah. Smile, that definitely makes it special for everybody. You, you, I, you need to you care too. about your players. You need to care about your players. That first and foremost, you need to care about your players. Less about yourself, less about your story, and more about your players. And then you'll be yeah. successful. Yeah. So going back to the kind of GM meets professional GM kind mm-hmm. of um, aspect there, when people pay you money <laughs> yeah. to DM for them, do you find that there's some kind of boundary created between the player and the GM? Are you able to get close to those players as if you would if it was free? Or do you feel that it's that professional relationship puts a kind of chain? Creates that? a wall? That is an excellent question. You know, in the time that I've been doing this, I have played with whew, over 100 new players. Most of them I would now count as friends. In the campaigns that have been going more than a few months, I know about their families. I know about their kids. I've seen pictures of their homes. We chat off. They have become friends and they are happy to pay me because they understand that if they didn't, I wouldn't be able to do it. And so they're like, no, we want to keep you paying so you can keep doing this work. And it is all about relationship building. Now, at the outset, when I picked up 5e, because I took a hiatus after fourth, because fourth, blah. So there is an expectation, a reasonable one, a very reasonable one from a paid player that their DM is going to, one, know the content, two, know the rules. And if you explain to them, hey, I'm more as a rules is fun than a rules is written, and you're clear at the outset, then you you can work through it and say, okay, if I got that rule wrong, tell me, I will learn it. So that never happens again. We're just going to go on it. But I did have um, one player quit because he felt that I did not know the rules appropriately enough. And I'll be honest, that session got away from me and he was completely legitimate in that complaint. But that caused me to redouble my efforts and get in there and focus. But over time, over time, you are relationship building. And so no, they become friends, they become family. I am very close to my players. I love them. Every single one of them. They're just fabulous people. That's so. awesome. And I, I your passion for your players and for the whole project <laughs> in general, in a general thank sense, uh, it comes across. Absolutely. So Oh, thank you. You're, thank you. You're, yeah. yeah, you're very, uh, very genuine, <laughs> very down to earth. It's awesome. So uh, <laughs> that's why I wanted you on the show because you're, I'm, I'm you're also a good guy, awesome. Man. Awesome. Awesome. Say the awesome. You, He's you're also awesome. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> thank you garrett you too right. buddy that's what i'm here for man. <laughs> so yeah. as a professional yeah. do you have any house rules that you kind of create just to keep boundaries between you you and the players um so nobody gets kind of taken advantage of anything like that go to session zeros or go to house rules yeah 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 house rules no i know of other groups of professional dms that have very very laundry list of these are the house rules that all of our campaigns find. and it's like why are you doing that 
each campaign that I've got, we do rules as written as closely as we are able to, especially as they progress in level and new spells are added. And you really just kind of get a general sense of what is appropriate to that group and what they expect. When you are speaking about special uh, session zero items, those are rules of behavior. We at DM Charlie Gaming go to great pains to let people know, look, this is an inclusive, supportive environment and absolutely no discrimination, homophobia, transphobia, um, religious commentary is tolerated. Zero tolerance. We will not brook it. We will not hear it. If you do, zero warnings, you're gone. Never had to deal with someone for that because we're quite clear. And in the games, it translates. During session zero, we go through the whole laundry list and it, it elucidates all that. And um, we're very fortunate that we have good players that understand that. But I think that by being upfront that this is what our community is about, this is what we stand for, this is what we support, this is what we will tolerate, and this is what we will not, it lets anybody who might be trollish or have an agenda that we don't agree with to know I'm not welcome here. And they, they tend to stay away. I've seen people pop into our server and they stick around for a day or two and then they're out. And it's like, well, if we're not for you, you know, success yeah. to you elsewhere yeah i mean yeah if, if it's not for you it's not for you that's exactly right so, yeah i mean you you can't please everybody and there was a saying on reddit i read a couple days ago it was like you can be the sweetest peach on the tree but there's some people that just don't like peaches exactly and not, exactly yeah. and it's not personal it's not personal yeah. yeah let's talk about dm charlie gaming for a second because we really yeah. haven't we've hit on professional dms but you run sure. an organization that houses professional dms we do, yeah. So why don't, why don't you tell us a little bit more about that in your in your own words? In my own words. Um, okay, well, do I have my little handy-dandy notebook? I started DM Charlie Gaming because when we got back into gaming because of the pandemic, way, way back in the early days of the pandemic on Zoom, I wanted to play, and all my buddies were like, well, Charlie, you're always the dungeon master. <sighs> and I really wanted to play and I was having a hard time finding a game. So I thought, well, I'm going to pay to play. And when I started paying to play, I was like, you know, I'm paying money for this. And um, what always happens with me, I could do better. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm going to do this. And so I joined a group and God love them. Wish them much success. They're rather big, but their standpoint on dms is oh you want a dm well here's your content good luck i was like that's mm -hmm. not right there are too many people with too many questions that don't know what they're doing and they're getting a bad taste and they're giving a bad experience so i'm like i want to start a professional dm group cadre that is built around a strong vibrant diverse inclusive and supportive community of players both new players and old veterans that are rabid fans mainly adult 35 plus because that is the niche we serve and that is what we do i also recognize that there is a spectrum of the experiences you can get when you pay for a dm and it was we consistently provide exceptional role-playing experiences i don't want anybody walking away from one of our tables going meh I don't know. I want them to walk away and say, ooh, is it next week yet? Is it next week yet? And that is what we strive for. That is our lowest standard bar is keep them excited and stuff. And I think that makes all of the difference. Also, we are all 
ardent, rabid fans. We are extremely passionate for our hobby, for what we do. And it comes through. But I'm very blessed that this is not all me. I have, you know, my co-DMs, my co-founders, DM Chuck, DM Lauren, one of the one of the mods, John, uh, another one, Mammon. These guys and lady have been behind me the whole way. And this has very much been a, a group effort. It's just, we're just DM Charlie Gaming because I, I wanted to make the logo. It was my idea. And now I'm just really the face and voice of our cadre. So or many voices. Yes, yes. I am the face of many voices. Well, that's awesome. I think that's so cool that it was such a collaborative, just from the get-go, it was just, look where you've come. Like, that's awesome. I'm I'm flabbergasted by how far we've come because, honestly, we were approaching our first year as officially DM Charlie Gaming, and it's pretty exciting how far that's we've come so cool. and where we're growing. Yeah, That's awesome to hear, man. That's really cool. Those origins in the middle of the pandemic at the very beginning too like when the world was yeah. uncertain you you found light in that and that that's worth noting too that's super cool huh. thank you yeah, thank you that's only the truth man so i'm gonna i'm gonna cry <laughs> <laughs> when you're on twitch and you're you're streaming these games yeah have you found that when you're streaming for an audience players or yourself perform differently than they would <laughs> without the camera on them 100%. 100%. Yeah. How does that um, differ? When I am DMing for a campaign, it depends on the campaign and the content. My Now, there's always a collegial chummy. I'm willing to throw jokes out there, depending, like Strahd. For those of you that don't know, Strahd is in reference to Curse of Strahd, which is a 5th edition adventure that takes place in Barovia, a Victorian-era-esque world filled with mystery and vampires. There was much more gravitas, and it was like, you stride through the dark forest. You feel something looming in the shadows. Eyes watch you, hungering eyes. The vision of slavering, rabid jaws fills your head. You know, whereas, you know, Saltmarsh... Again, for those of you that don't know, Saltmarsh is a reference to Ghosts of Saltmarsh, which is a 5th edition adventure that takes place on the high seas, filled with swashbuckling adventures. Oh, the seas are kicking and tossing. And then I get on to uh, the Twitch stream, and I don't know why I go into presenter mode. You know, I just yeah. I just do. You roll and you hit with your sword. What do you do, paladin? You know, and it's just, you do a character thing. And it was just the shtick I kind of got into. I am on a different um, Twitch stream where I play a, a character, Willie Grimm. And he is, you know, from the Daylands. And he is just kind of a bumbling warlock investigator. You, you find your beat. But yeah, it is it is a lot different. Um, because when you are on Twitch, when you are streaming... You're not just entertaining your players. You are entertaining your viewers. And so you need to keep that in mind. And the role, the mask you wear is different. You know, it's not disingenuous. It's just a different facet of how you deliver what you're doing. For the DM or the group that maybe wants to put their stuff on mm -hmm. Twitch and, you know, give that the old college try and go fishing for views. Yeah. What kind of advice would you have for that group or that DM? And let, let me put that into two parts, actually. One. Yeah. How would you propose to a DM Twitch streaming the games if the players come across their minds? And two, how, what would you say if you were a player and you were trying to convince the DM to stream? So do it from both perspectives. Player trying to convince a DM to stream. Well, if it is your idea to stream, then the burden to broadcast 
to stream lies on you. So if you are wanting to stream a game, do your reading, learn about Streamlabs, learn about OBS, learn about overlays, learn about production quality. And I'm not saying you have to take college level courses, but do some research because we literally was like, hey, it's, that's why we're called, you know, Icewind Dale, a Twitch experiment because we were experimenting. It was literally here's Zoom, here's OBS. Hey, are we even broadcasting? You know, and we've just been learning on the way. So spend some time to get comfortable with it. Watch other Twitch streams, see what they're doing, see what you like, see what seems to work. The other thing I would say is go slowly when you are going to start sinking money into it. It's very easy to think this is a great idea and I'm going to do this and sink coin into something and then realize it doesn't necessarily have the return on investment that you thought it would due to your inexperience. All experience is valuable. Some is just more than expensive than others. But if I were trying to convince my players, I, you know, it's just like, hey, Twitch streaming, I would like to put this on the stream, what do you guys think, you know, and just ask them. And if they're all comfortable with it, then yeah, you can set it up. Now I have a couple that I have no desire whatsoever to be on camera. And I do not have a desire to Twitch stream anything that is just audio. I feel that is not visually compelling because part of the enjoyment for me when I watch is seeing the reaction of the players, seeing their faces. Sure. If I were a player trying to convince a DM, I would ask them nicely like, hey, I think you're good enough and you could entertain people. I'll run the the stream so you can focus on doing your, your, your running the game. What do you think? And just respect their decision. Don't keep at them. Don't keep hounding them. They don't want to do it. There are enough people that want to be on Twitch, that want to stream, that you can set up a side project. If you are the DM, though, um, and you are going to be running the stream, I can tell you firsthand, get three monitors. Get three monitors. Trying to do it on one monitor, you are just going to drive yourself nuts. And be forgiving with yourself. If you make a mistake, and you will, just laugh at it, fix it, and move on. For DM Charlie Gaming, what future plans do you guys have? Where do you see yourself in another year or five or ten? Same plans we have every day, Pinky. Try to take over the world. Um, so what are our plans? Currently, we have a multi-prong plan of development. We are focusing on onboarding new dungeon masters into the cadre so we can expand. When we first started, we would run monthly free one shots. So players that weren't in campaigns had the opportunity to play and also paid one shot. So we will be bringing that back probably at the start of Q2 of this year. In addition to that is expanding our community and working on our inclusivity. I have reached out to several other communities and we will be getting involved with charity that focuses on developing opportunities for BIPOC and LGBTQIA plus uh, content developers and presenting their games. So they are out out in the gaming space. So they have a voice because there is a value to those creators and non-Western content because pretty much everything you see is Eurocentric. You know, if you you really want to get crazy, it's Eastern European. So yeah, and there's a lot of wonderful myths and tropes and legends and stuff from other cultures that really deserve their chance to shine in the gaming space. Ultimately, do I ever think I will be rich doing this? No. Right now, pretty much 100% of the resources I bring in just get rolled right back in to DMCG, into DM Charlie Gaming. 
We will be expanding the Twitch content. I will be moving back from running so many paid games myself and doing more streaming so I can continue being the face and building our community and being out there so the DMs can focus on what they do really, really well, which is running great games. And they don't have to worry about, well, I'm not getting enough players for this and then doing the administration. Long distant, long term, long term, five years from now, if hopefully things go back to normal, we want to be at a place where we can send our DMs to conventions and represent, have a booth, you know, wear our merchandise and be looking strack and professional and say, hey, are you good enough to be a DM with DM Charlie Gaming and run events, you know, just to just so we can show off at places. And so everybody is set. That is really the dream. And to get to a place where I feel that you will always need to have a full-time job doing this. There's no million dollars at the end of the rainbow here. But to be at a place where you're like, you no longer have to worry about paying the mortgage or keeping the lights on, or if you really, really wanted to leave your job, you possibly could. I think that ultimately for all of us that are in this space, that is the dream. That is the holy grail, you know? Um, But that is, that's not what this is about. That's not what this is about. It's um, building a, a community letting people do what they love. It's about bringing the next generation in, passing the torch. It's about inspiring DMs and players as a whole to do better, to improve their skills. It is about just sharing our love. I I am an accountant by training and it's good work. It's good work, but it can be very stiltifying. And one of the things that I always keep in mind is what Willy Wonka said. Come with me and you'll be in a world of pure imagination. And that is the greatest blessing of it all, is just being able to spend every day in a world of pure imagination. That, to me, is a life well lived. So Yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. I gave me goosebumps on that one. That was awesome. Come with yeah. me and you'll be <laughs> in a world of pure imagination. What kind of qualities, putting aside that they're responsible and they can show up to games on time and, you know, the the typical professional, you know, doing what they need to do. What makes a DM Charlie Gaming DM to you? Who would you say? Absolutely. They're on board. Well, um, I'm glad you asked that question, Garrett. Uh, Unlike a lot of of our competitors, and I'm loathe to use the word competitors, we vet our DMs before we will let them charge for a game. We have a group of experienced players and pro DMs, and we make them run a game. And what we are checking for are several factors. First off, where are they with the technology? Are they competent enough with their chosen VTT, with Discord, with Sirenscape, that they can quickly identify and resolve a problem? Because if somebody gets in there, oh, my token doesn't have vision, and that happens to even the most experienced of us, can you fix it? really quickly and get back to the game. Nobody wants to pay for a game and then sit there for 20 minutes while the game master fumbles around trying to fix something. It just stops play. It destroys the mood. So comfortability with the tech. Secondly, how are they in managing player time, moving the story along their narration? Can they set a scene? Can they make it visceral? Can they draw you in? Can they make you forget that you are sitting at your desk in your bedroom, looking at your monitor and be like, oh, crud, Uh, man, that dragon did what? Oh, what are we going to do? And just completely lose yourself. So they have to be more than competent storytellers. Okay. The voice acting piece of our group, I I recognize the fact, and I say this with all humility, I recognize the fact that I am probably 
upper echelon for the number of voices and characters I do. That is a gift. It is something to do. I don't think that's necessary, but you need to be able to deliver things in a way that serve your story, serve your players. And then lastly, are they able to understand people, read people, tell what's going on from very, very sparse clues, just listening? Okay, this guy hasn't said anything. And when he did, his answers are yes, no. So what's going on? What do I need to do to draw them in to engage them? Or from just seeing a text message on Discord, that's not how they usually react. What, what, um, what's going on? How, how do I reach this person? Because by dint of our position, we are role models and we are not counselors. We are not coaches, but we are looked at with, um, some authority and respect and we need to they need to understand that and treat it with the appropriate level of seriousness and then lastly the one question that we really put a lot of weight on because we all work we know what it's like to trade your time your your finite disappearing time for money would i feel good paying this person to run a game for me if i can't say at the end of the game if our vetting team can't say yep i would feel happy paying them to spend three hours with them then it's a pass and we have we've had some games and they were very very rough and we it's hard it is so hard to tell these people i don't think you have what it takes because ultimately dm charlie gaming we want to be the sax fifth avenue we want when somebody comes here they know that they are getting a top shelf exceptional experience we there will be no middle ground none of us want to put our name to something that we cannot unequivocally say i am proud of that so and i think that's a testament to you guys because it could very easily be a numbers game for yeah a, for a you know an organization like this where you need the dms well if you have that many dms you can just add that many players and the more dms the more players and you just keep growing that but that's yeah. not the way to do it quality over quantity every exactly day it's no way to serve your community it is no. not the way to serve your community and I think that's a testament, again, to your to your passion for the project and to the game as a whole. I think that you. you're willing to take that sacrifice of maybe it's less players, but those DMs are, like you said, top shelf, excellent. You know what you're getting when you pay for exactly. a game with DM Charlie Gaming, and that, that's awesome. Thank Absolutely. you. That's the goal. Sure. That's the goal. Yeah. So when you DM or DM yeah. Charlie Gaming, DMs DM, do you find yourself using more written modules for like you know of any system? Or do you kind of build that world and build those adventures on your own? Or do you mix and mingle the two? Little of column A, little of column B. Due to the sheer volume of games that I have, I prefer written content and content developers like you, CZRPG, folks like that, the Patreons, the map makers, they are a godsend to the professional DM. They are because you they do things much better than I could. They are you are leveraging their their professionalism and their expertise. That said, do I create my own things, homebrew monsters, homebrew NPCs and encounters and storylines and so absolutely. I as a professional would no longer well, that's a lie. Um, do a complete homebrew campaign. And he said that just realizing I have just started a complete homebrew campaign <laughs> for a group because it is a lot of work. It is a lot of work. What the other DMs do is also a mix and match. There is no right or wrong process to that. And I am not the one to speak to say you must do it this way because that's BS. 
everybody's going to do what works for them. So long as it's working and you are able to have the content to deliver to your players and it is entertaining and fulfilling for your players and hopefully yourself. So whenever, if you're doing this new homebrew world, Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, we're kind of running out of time and I don't want to take too much of your time on this, but I do want oh, to take your brain a little bit. Yeah, please um, do. When you are considering world building, you mm-hmm. know, I think for for me and, you know, 225 games, I think my golden rule is kind of nobody cares about your world. Nobody cares. There's no difference between Tatooine and Arrakis. Nobody cares. They care about the people and the characters in the world. For you, what is your approach to world building? And do you take that philosophy and kind of meld it and weld it into your world building? And, you know, what's your thought process and creative process look like? World building. When I create a new world, I it's the, I forget the name of the process, but you start local and then you zoom out. Mm-hmm. You know, you're dealing with first level characters. You need a village. You need a couple NPCs. You need a local dungeon, a local mob of goblins, and you're good. And then as you play, you can say, okay, this guy has a problem with this NPC. So I'm going to make this NPC connected to this group of baddies right over here. And then you add it on. It's kind of a bolt on. And as the campaign grows, you just grow slightly ahead of it. When I first started as a kid, yeah, it was like, here's the whole continent. Here's the hundred cities. Here's all the nations. And then you're like, okay, which one do I write up? And it just became overwhelming. And there are world builders that do that. God bless them. But it's just not an efficient process to me. So I just start very, very small, very minuscule, and just give just enough to stay ahead of the campaign. And then I grow it around them. And I have some... I'll have some ideas like ultimately I want them to meet the lich in the castle. So I know that's out there somewhere, you know, that way it also allows you to customize the campaign to the characters, which is eminently a more enjoyable experience for your players. What I would say is what I like to call the Ikea approach where, you know, you put, you put the socket in the socket and you do the screw. Yeah. Okay. By the time you're done, you have a giant, you know, a desk or a table or a couch <laughs> exactly. or whatever. But you, for, you started out by putting the screw in the plank of wood and now you just got exactly, the screw exactly. And, Ikea is a fun word to say anyway, so you know, call the <laughs> Ikea approach. Whenever you build these worlds and you you start these stories from small to big, you know, micro to macro, yeah. where does the inspiration come from? Aha, uh-huh. I'm glad you asked this. People have asked me that before. Everywhere. I will listen to Spotify and um, I listen to like a lot of eclectic music, world, indigenous, aboriginal, tribal things that most people don't put on their list. And I will just like when I'm driving somewhere or maybe making a map or answering emails, just be listening to it and just let my thoughts kind of drift. And I find it very evocative and like, oh, this is really good. And then I'm like, I could picture a party like fighting like a horde of wervins to this. And then I'm like, that's going to be a great encounter. You know, also look at everything I think one of the failings of people in our hobby is they're blinkered by our hobby. Everything they consume is Dungeons and Dragons or fantasy or anime. And it's this very narrow tunnel vision. BS. Look at everything. Read histories. Watch documentaries about art. Watch freaking reality shows about relationships. I mean, don't sit and get sunk in them, but absorb everything you can because you never know where that next great idea will come. Like driving along, it's like, look at that street sign. That is a really weird name. That'd be a great name for like an evil place. Well, what would that place look like? Well, look, that road leads down to that river. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And just be willing to steal, borrow, 
be willing to be inspired by <laughs> everything and always be curious, always be curious, always be looking, always keep your eyes open, always be listening, try new things. There is more in this world of ours than any one of us can imagine. It, it's it's wonderful. So always to be, if you want to be inspired, just always be experiencing new things. Creativity comes from being creative and then also just having all these myriad of sources and things because you never know when something is going to just spark that one thing and turn into an amazing idea and an even better end result. As a history teacher and a music teacher, the fact that you look at history and music for inspiration, oh, yeah. that, that warms my heart a little bit. Yeah. So that's awesome. Undaunted um, courage, undaunted courage. I like wrote notes to have a campaign just based on Lewis and Clark from reading. Oh, that's awesome. Book. That, I mean, that is an adventure. Yeah. They're going into unex unexplored quote unquote, you know, truly, truly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Unexplored. So yeah, yeah absolutely. That, that would be a fun adventure in its own right. It, it really yeah. would. It really would. I agree. I agree. Do you do any exercises or do you have any techniques to kind of help get that creativity flowing? I know you said that you look around you and like street names yeah. and roads and just- I turn my mind off. I turn oh, my mind off. Go. It's, yeah, it's like if I feel like I am stuck and I don't know what to do next, which has happened many a time in many a campaign, like, oh boy, you know, what are we going to do? And I will worry at it and I will nod at it in my head and I'll start writing. I'm like, no, that is just dumb. That's lame. I turn my mind off. I put it aside, I forget about it, and then I go do anything else, anything else, and I get it out of my mind. I let my subconscious work on it. And I think that is the best way to problem solve. If you are not able to be happy with what you're creating, forget about it and come back to it a day or two later or a week later, and you will be surprised at what your subconscious has come up with. Also, I find that sometimes just shutting down, you know those little dumb paint-by-number apps on your phone? Yeah, oh, yeah. I will... I will listen to music. I'm not even sure of the genre right now. It's like Viking goth music. It's all this like, oh, yeah. And I'll listen. Uh, um, uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. You know, hey, oh, boom, 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 boom. And I'll, I'll be listening to that and doing one of those. And then I'm like, okay, now what have I got? Oh, hey, here's a good idea. Yeah. So, yeah. But for exercises to actually get things started, I'm familiar with some, I've seen some never use them myself the fact i think that you can ask questions of the world around you to find that inspiration you know yeah. those what ifs and that what if this road name was this kingdom exactly this road oh and there you go and you just build on that i think that in itself uh, is a fantastic exercise and just keep a loose brain and can, you can find inspiration anywhere if you're looking for it Exactly. So I do have a, a couple of lightning round questions for you as uh -oh. we kind of start to wrap up here and um, yeah. unfortunately kind of come to a conclusion. But so. Yeah, it's been enjoyable. Oh, absolutely. This has been, I've, I've learned a whole lot just talking to you. So here we go. <laughs> lightning round. Just one one word response. Easy peasy kind of questions. Mm -hmm. Do you prefer pen and paper or digital? Digital. Face to face or a Discord or a Zoom call? Discord. Favorite race? Dwarves. Favorite class? Paladin. Favorite weapon? Warhammer. And a favorite dice. <laughs> My 30 millimeter 20 sided high roller. It's from Stormcrow Games. It's got nothing but 20s on it, and it would kill an ox. Thing's awesome. One of my players gave it to me, and I'm I love it. It has uh, pride of place on my desk right there so whenever somebody's getting obnoxious in a game like oh yeah you think i'll just open that up and stare at it and be like 
uh-huh i'm gonna bring you out baby i'm gonna bring you out i never it's do the red but button on the desk it really is this will be easy <laughs> <laughs> my nuclear option so that's that's awesome i yeah. i want one for my own self now they're cool but, and uh, actually what's man. cool is the box has a light in it highlights it oh that's hilarious it's like an right? engagement ring box it really it's is it, it really sparkly. is yeah it really is i love it well yeah. Mr. Charlie, thank you Sir. so much for joining me. I've learned a lot, and I'm sure the listeners have learned a lot too. Um, do you have any last imparting wisdom for me or for anybody mm. listening? Firstly, Garrett, thank you very much for inviting me. It has been an honor, and I very much appreciate it. If you don't mind, I would yeah. like to shout out uh, DM Charlie Gaming, spelled like it sounds, dot com. See what we're doing. We also have the Discord. We're also on Twitch every week. We will be expanding. So look for us, DM Charlie Gaming, there and uh, imparting wisdom to you, your listeners, and anybody wanting to be a DM or player. It's like life. Get out there. Just do it. Just do it. There's no do right it. or wrong way unless you're an asshole. And I don't think anyone <laughs> listening is. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Just do it. Just do it. Awesome. And you'll be happier that you did. And all the links to, you know, Twitter, to Twitch and all that will be in the show notes. So anybody can Hero! And, uh, decide or I guess not decide. No, there's really no decision uh, it, it is it. to Click be a it. part of the thing and, you know, be a part of that yeah. community. So Click Charlie, it. thank you so much again thank you, for, for being with us. It's been an awesome, awesome pleasure. My pleasure, man. Thank you. It has. It's been a real joy. I mean, feeds my ego, which, as we all know, always needs stroking. <laughs> so. I don't think it's ego if you have the walk to back the talk, though. So. Right? I know. Like, I like to tell my wife, it's not arrogant if it's true. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> and then awesome. she's like, right, take the garbage out. Like, yes, dear. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm blessed to have her. I'm blessed to have her. Yeah. But thank you, Garrett, very much. I appreciate yeah. it. DM Charlie, thank you so much for being on this episode of The Investigation Check. I know I learned many valuable things from such a masterful GM, and I hope that you did too. Please check out the show notes to find any and all links of DM Charlie Gaming's socials, as well as a link to the group's website, which is www.dmcharliegaming.com. And while you have your browser open, why don't you head on over to Amazon.com and search up A Hero's Journey, a journal for 5e TTRPGs, and pick up your copy today for just $9.95. That's all I have for you this episode. So may the road rise to meet you. May the wind be at your back. May your rolls be natural 20s and your GMs gentle. And until we meet each other again, friends, may a friend hold you close. I'll talk to you again soon.